We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast tuesday january 30th 2024 and this is one of my least favorite weeks on the calendar it is the first one without a professional football game uh, talk to me about the Pro Bowl all you want, but I haven't watched that in probably a decade, maybe longer than that. Uh, but here we are. The Super Bowl is set. And if you feel like you've seen the matchup before, it's because you have. The Kansas City Chiefs will play the San Francisco 49ers next Sunday in Las Vegas, Nevada at Allegiant Stadium, which is a beautiful stadium. If you guys have not been there, I certainly recommend the trip. Got to see a lot of Packadayers and Packer fans out on a, a bucket list trip to Vegas when the Packers were there earlier this season and nearly had one of the highlights of the year if Trey's brother Christian didn't decide to be slower than he normally is. But that is where we ended up on that particular night. I'm your host tonight. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am joined by Jacob Morley and the previously mentioned Trey Watson. Fellas, just real quick, Trey, I'll start with you. Thoughts on Championship Sunday, how everything panned out, and uh, – some initial thoughts on the Super Bowl. To be honest, it's just uh, the story of who wants to to lose to the 49ers, right? Like we had them where right where you would have wanted them as a you know as a team folded, uh, missed opportunities, and the Lions did much of the same, even having an even larger lead. So uh, kudos to the 49ers at the end of the day, right? Like they say, you know, good teams find a way to win. Teams that are either bad or just aren't used to winning can some you know a lot of times find ways to lose and that's kind of what the lions did we did that not because we're you know losers but more so just you know maybe maybe a team that's not as experienced which we know how young they were as far as the AFC championship that game was uh 
it was surprising to see how poorly the Ravens played when they needed it. A lot of, you know, one-off bad breaks, the, the Zay Flowers drive, I'd call it, where, you know, <laughs> makes an incredible play, gets a taunting, makes another incredible play, is giving max effort and fumbles. Uh, incredible play by Snead to knock that ball out, and it really felt like that just completely changed the game. Um, you know, Mahomes basically came alive in the playoffs, an offense that really just hadn't done much of anything most of the year. Now looks like the same old Chiefs offense, right? Like, Kelsey looks like himself. He remembered he has to catch the ball first. Uh, you know, Mahomes is doing whatever he wants to do. So, at the end of the day, not surprised to see the Chiefs where they almost always are, right? And that's in the Super Bowl. And, you know, the Niners, player for player, probably the best roster in the league at this point. So, the fact that they ended up making it is really not all that much of a surprise either. Now, sum that up well. I mean, I think before the playoffs started, people probably would have said the two best teams are the Ravens and the Niners. But nobody was going to be surprised if Kansas City got into the Super Bowl. That's just what they do. You know, my takeaway, as I said it during the game, is you know, Mahomes, Kelsey, Sneed, Chris Jones, you know, you name Kansas City's best players. And it feels like they all play their best or make some massive game changing, momentum swinging kind of play in these big games. And I, I said they're the anti Packers in that way because it feels like. You know, no disrespect to the guy, but Aaron Jones, for example, we've kind of had a running joke for a while of it's not a big Packers game until Aaron Jones fumbles. Uh, and it's that's been how it's been until, you know, this year. Aaron Rodgers famously did not play well in, in postseason games. Now, I wouldn't say the Packers really had somebody who played downright poorly that was one of their best players against San Francisco, but none of their best players made – game-changing plays to swing the game in their favor, save for Aaron Jones, uh, oddly enough, since I just started this whole soliloquy by going that route. It was unfortunate. Uh, I am somebody who falls in the camp of a Lamar Jackson fan. I think there's legitimate criticisms about his game in general, but overall, I think he's awesome. He's going to be a two-time league MVP. I don't think that happens by accident. Uh, and I was kind of hoping that if he gets to the Super Bowl, wins the MVP, and then would be favored to win the Super Bowl, that would be like the end of the stupid Lamar Jackson can't play quarterback conversations. But unfortunately, he didn't play particularly well. Neither did the rest of the team. You know, the Chiefs scored 17 points in the first half. They didn't score any in the second half. And Baltimore still didn't win. It's incredible how it worked that way. The Niners, I don't have much to say on that front. Uh, is Brock Purdy the new Tom Brady with the golden horseshoe stuck up his ass? Maybe. Uh, we'll find out, I guess, because if he, you know, it's Kansas City and Kansas City's a different animal. They don't typically lose games they're supposed to win or games they have in hand. There's one that comes to mind, and that's the championship game a few years ago against uh, Cincinnati. But other than that, I mean, Patrick Mahomes to me is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. And that carries some weight as we go through uh, this game. And we'll see, you know, if, if San Francisco falls behind like they did against Green Bay and Detroit against Kansas City. I just can't picture them coming back to win. But kudos, uh, I guess, you know, Brock Purdy, that entire roster, everything like that, they're just put really well together, and they deserve to be in the spot they're in. Uh, Morley, I know you cried visible tears when Kansas City won, but uh, I know how many tweets were in your drafts ready for if Baltimore were to come back and win that game, but that did not happen. No way, man. You If you followed along all week, I'd – I said, Kansas City's got this game. Like, I think I had a tweet that said, like, everyone's going to talk about how good 
uh, Baltimore's defense is, and Pat is Patrick's going to shred it, and he did. <laughs> like, and, and granted, they didn't score in the second half, so you know, kudos to Baltimore's defense for kind of putting the clamps on. But man, that first quarter was uh, something else. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a psychopath. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. And I don't mean that negatively. I mean, just the guy is a competitive psychopath. And I don't know how you get to that level. I mean, it's guys like Jordan. It's guys like Brady that have that level of F you. Like, I'm winning. And that's just who he is. And uh, the NFL is going to have to deal with him for a long, a long time. And uh, that's not fun for anyone on uh, the other 31 sides. But I, and I feel the same way going into this Super Bowl. I think the, the Chiefs have been there. Uh, they still seem plenty hungry, and I just I just don't think San Francisco is going to be able to hang with them, honestly. Not not the, with the way they're playing right now, and uh, and that's going to be that. So uh, the it seems like the Chiefs have an unbelievable collection of talent, coaching, and then also luck. Like those are three things that are really hard to beat, and some of it is not luck. Uh, yeah, and you touched on it, Jacob. Like the Sneed play, that is a a remarkable play, but that is a one in a hundred play. You know, where you get the ball, you punch it out, and it's a three inches away from the goal line. I mean, anti-packer to no extent. Like, when is the last time something seemed to be going really poorly, then all of a sudden? a player pulls a rabbit out of their hat like that in the right moment. I mean, honestly, I'm thinking of like Charles Woodson, 2010, 2011 vibes. Like he used to have a knack for making plays like that. And the Chiefs seem to have like four or five guys that will do it at the, at, at any moment's notice. So uh, congratulations to the Kansas city chiefs on their uh, back-to-back Super Bowls. <laughs> More that is copium at its highest level. I think Kansas City's going to win too, but not going to be able to hang with them. Let's just no, calm down, I think, yeah, dude. Bit. I think Patrick's going to he's going to he's going to drop a hundred on them. I I mean I will remind this podcast that they did score zero points in the second half against Baltimore. Baltimore still is nasty. It's very good. <laughs> it yes. is nasty. Yes, it is. And and I do think Kansas City will win. And like I said, I think Patrick's the greatest quarterback ever. I think you touched on like how dynasties are built, talent, coaching, luck, all that. Like that goes back to the 70s Steelers. Like uh, I think of the Cowboys tight end whose name escapes me, like dropping that pass in the end. So that's, that's just that's how not, that stuff that's works. That's not really a knock either. That's just kind of how it is. No, like, that's you, just you real. Consistently, like you, the ball bounces your way. It just does. So. Right, exactly. I hope, I hope I hope the Packers get a run like that, you know, where they get a couple calls, they get a couple bounces, and they get a couple rings. That'd be great. They just as easily have one more though, if if D Ford put his contacts in and knew how to stays line on up, sides. Right? Yeah, like, I mean, we're we're sitting here talking about potentially Mahomes going on four rings in what is that six six? Well, years think, and they blew a twenty one ten halftime lead against Cincinnati, so like yeah, they could so. easily be running like five in a row. Yeah, that I mean that one. You know, I'll give it to the Bengals for winning that game. Literally, that game, the the Patriots one is is D Ford backs up like he's supposed to. Game's over. Like yep. nothing even to talk about. So, no, it's it's crazy how it works out. I mean, like, like y'all talked about with the Sneed play, football really is like Al Pacino said, a game of inches. Like 
that's that's the difference between winning and losing. I mean, I don't, if y'all don't know the reference, go watch Any Given Sunday. Any Given uh, Sunday, what a best great movie. best football movie ever. Really? Okay, that's a topic yeah. we're gonna have to do. Like, we'll have to rank like the top five or something like that. So, Any Given Sunday, best ever. That's in the conversation for sure. That's, that's it's the most it's the most realistic too. That's that's the part that Little Giants, the Little Giant. I, I love like the Little Giants. <laughs> I, I love Icebox. The, uh, icebox, as a linebacker, you got you got to be an Icebox fan, right? She was like, she, "Don't play with no oh, girl." Yeah, yeah. What's like, that, like? that is a great movie too. The annexation of Puerto Rico. We do need to do that topic because there's a lot. Yeah, because the there. like the the Pacino speech in that movie is yeah. like legendary. Yeah, legendary. Like it's, top not that's every college football like speech that surfaces pales in comparison to that. I can't. Dude, like, at, I think that speech too. Like anyone that's ever put a football helmet on and been in a locker room, like wants to, like you get it, like and you just you want, want to run. You want that moment. Ball. You want yeah, that you moment, want, and you want to hear that, right? Because like there are certain anybody who's played, you guys have had a, a coach or somebody who's an authoritative figure that, like, when they speak, the hair on the back of your neck just yep. stands up, and you're like at attention immediately. That's kind of what that Pacino speech is like. So yeah, we'll put a pin in that, and that's going to be. Now I gotta watch that movie again between now and next week. But I we're haven't watched it in a while. I need to yeah, get there back on that. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna build our list for that next week. But we do have a topic tonight. The Packers. Uh, you guys may have heard by this point. Uh, let me think. Last week when we recorded, they had not fired Joe Barry as of yet. Uh, no, they fired him the morning that our episode yep. dropped. So right after, so Barry got fired. Uh, I. Was not surprised. I think anybody who was trying to do the whole did he save his job thing wasn't paying attention or was trying to like guard themselves against something they didn't want. But anything short of like going to the Super Bowl, I don't think the Packers were going to not make a change in that position. But Barry's gone. Uh, they have four known interviews at this point. Uh, and one of them is one of the guys we're going to talk tonight, and that's Bobby Babich from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the other interviews are Christian Parker, uh, the secondary coach for the Denver Broncos, the defensive line coach for the Dallas Cowboys, whose name escapes me, and then Brandon Staley, the defensive court, well, former defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams, former head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, so we'll see what happens on that. Morley, one of the things I wanted to go through, and, and I'm going to steal yours because I feel like we have the same idea, and I got to go first, so I'll make you think of something on the spot is how that's going to work. But when I go back to 2020, 20, the offseason of 2020 and into 2021, Mike McDonald was hired to be Michigan's defensive coordinator. And famously now, at least in those circles, what was asked of him was, how are you going to stop Ohio State's offense? And then he had to lay out this plan. And that plan, they loved it so much, they gave him the job based off of that. So my question, if I were sitting in an interview with any of these defensive coordinator candidates and one I want a good answer for is what is your plan with Quay Walker? Because if you go up and down this defense in terms of investment, talent, player who maybe hasn't met expectations just yet, and a player that they need to make expectations or meet some of those expectations at least, I think Quay Walker is the one that kind of fits that mold of checking all of those boxes. Because like Rashawn Gary, he's met expectations. They gave him a contract extension. You know, Lucas Van Ness, it's too early in his career to do anything like that. Kenny Clark is awesome, and he always has been. Jair Alexander, once they get everything straightened out with him, it'll be fine. 
Walker to me is the guy we've seen it, right? Fred Warner is a game changer at linebacker. He's probably the best player on a 49er defense. That is awesome. And includes players like, you know, Nick Bosa and Chase Young, not as good as he used to be, but there's some good players on that Niners defense and Warner might be the best one. Walker is a guy to me that you want to talk about problems that Green Bay has one covering the middle of the field, two stopping the run and three occasionally getting after the quarterback. Like some of their issues are solved so much by Quay Walker realizing the player he can be because if you put a player in a lab as a linebacker and said, give me the prototypical size, give me the prototypical speed, give me arm length, give me this, give me that from a physical specimen standpoint, Quay Walker is what that machine would spit out. The issue has been, number one, he hasn't finished enough plays because I think he has at least three dropped interceptions that come to my mind immediately. And we're talking about, like, how different is this conversation that we're having if Walker's caught those three interceptions? Mm-hmm. Because that's those are game-changing plays. The other thing is the flashes for Walker are, like, best-in-the-league type of play. And I'm not saying he's going to be the best linebacker in football ever at any point in his career. But his high-end flashes look like that. The problem is his low-end flashes and his down-to-down play – it's not great. Uh, there's legitimate questions as to whether or not I'll ever find those. Can you develop instincts as a linebacker? I don't know. You know, maybe that's a question for the actual linebacker on the show here in this case, but I don't know if that's something you can develop. Maybe it's something he sees more. I do know that when he has looked his best, it's been when he's been asked to go see it and hit it. And there's a blitz against the Vikings on new year's Eve that comes to mind immediately for something like that, where that's the best walkers look. But my question for Bobby Babbage would be, yeah, what's your plan for Quay Walker and how are you going to get him to maximize his potential? So Morley, if you had a chance to ask Babbage or any of these guys a question, what would your question be? I mean, yeah, that's the one. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I think the other question that you could ask is, and what you won't always want to ask is you know the nfl is not necessarily and especially defensive schemes are not really about your fronts it's about what is what is your coverage plan like what is what are we doing on the back end like this is a passing league um what type of defense what what type of coverage scheme are you going to deploy and what i would want to hear him say is all of them all of them because those are the best defenses the ones that aren't just married to cover three kind of like, I mean, that's kind of what the Packers were this year. So um, basically just lived and died in that. I mean, they obviously did some other stuff as well, but you know, we just talked about the Kansas city chiefs and what do they run on the back end? Everything, you know, they'll run cover two, they'll run cover three, they'll they'll play, they'll play in quarters, they'll play man. You know, it doesn't matter. They're going to look at you and say, we're going to do it all, and we're going to see what gives you the biggest fit, and we're going to run that. And that's what I want to see from a defensive coordinator in the modern NFL. I want to see someone that their plan is is we want to be we want to be multiple. We want to be able to do whatever. We want to be malleable on the back end. Um, because the Packers, I think they have the personnel to do it. They need to fix the safety position. That would be a question I'd have for them. Is how are we, 
how are you know, I want your input on how we fix this safety position because it needs to be fixed. You know, they need to add talent there. I think they will. Um, but beyond that, you know, I, I, I don't care as much because like they're going to run like teams run multiple fronts there. You know, the Packers ran four, three this year, they ran three, four, you know, and I think Babbage is more of a four, three guy. Um, but what you watch them do in Buffalo, like Gregory Rousseau plays with his hand in the dirt and Von Miller didn't, you know, so like they were, they were willing to get creative with those guys to put them in situations that they were going to be their, their best version of themselves as players. And I think, you know, that's such a cliche thing to do and to say, you know, put your players in a spot that they're going to be successful, but that isn't always something teams do. And point exhibit a is it's third and eight and Jair's playing 15 yards off the ball. Right. I mean, that's, that's a, prime example right there that's not you're not putting Jair in a position to be successful there so you know I I think people have kind of pointed out and I I like this it seems like this time around Matt is making some adjustments to kind of what his philosophy is in hiring um, a defensive coach like last time it just seemed like he was dead set on wanting the Brandon Staley defense Um, so Joe Barry um, this time it looks like he's looking more so for a coach. Like, I don't care what scheme you run, just let's get stops. You know, so um, that would be, you know, my question is what are we doing on the back end? And, Trey, uh, we, we picked you last because you're the smartest defensive guy here, clearly. <laughs> yeah, like what, you know, what I, I want to hear your answer on this as well is if you, you know, are sitting in that that room, that interview room, and you get a question to ask – you know, Babich or any of these guys, um, what what do you have to say? What do you want to hear from those guys? I'd say first and foremost, um, him being a guy who, you know, has most recently been a linebackers coach before that, been a safeties coach, and had some groups that have had some players who have been extremely successful all in different phases of their careers, which that's something if you're walking into the, the Green Bay you know, defense, that's what you have, particularly in the back seven, is you have a lot of different guys who are at a lot of different points in their careers. They can go up, they can go down. Um, Obviously, you you know, if you're coming in as a DC, it's your job to find a way to make them go up. So, you know, we talked about it before the show, but he's, he's had Micah Hyde, he's had, you know, Jordan Poyer, who have played their best football in the last four, five, six years, which he was their coach for a portion of that time. This season in particular, you're talking about, Matt Milano goes down. Terrell Bernard comes into his first year starting and has 140 plus tackles, picks, sacks, you know, all over the place as a, a young and experienced linebacker. I want to know how he how he got that to happen because Terrell Bernard wasn't a first round draft pick linebacker like Quay is. He's a he's a definitely a, a high level you know football player. We saw that with his production, but he's not the athlete Quay is. He he doesn't come off the bus looking like Quay looks. So how do you make that happen? You, he had a rotational piece, Tyrell Dotson, come in against the Chiefs um, when Bernard – I think Bernard was inactive that game. And the guy goes out there. He's, he's mostly been a special teams player his whole career. He goes out there and looks great. Now, yeah, part of that's probably on Dotson, but, you know, that's his linebacker coach. He had to have done something to help him be prepared for that moment, be prepared all season long for if and when his time comes. And when you're coming in as a, as a defensive coordinator – that is your job. It does sound cliche to say, you know, how can you get the most out of each of your players? But 
that's your job. You're the one calling the plays, and it's your job to say, hey, what play allows my 11 players who are going to go out there on defense, no matter what personnel group we're in, no matter what the situation is, how can I most allow them to succeed? Because at the end of the day, you're going to call cover three sometimes, and they're going to call four verts, and that's a play that more often than not beats cover three. But how can you coach your guys to run that play to the best of their abilities so that they are successful? Sometimes you're going to call the perfect play for what the offense called. You're going to call a blitz right into a screen. Guys are going to make a play. You have to find a way to be able to coach each and every day, each and every week, no matter who you're playing against, no matter who you have in the room, to say, all right, I'm going to get the most out of each and every one of these guys. If a guy goes down, hey, how do I put this backup who's coming in with limited experience, um, you know, might not be ideal for, for what we're going up against. How do I get the most out of him to win this game this week? That's a defensive coordinator's job, right? That's that's game planning. That's play calling. That's doing all those little things. So if you're talking to a guy like Babbage, first, like I said, I, I want to know what he's been doing to be so successful with the guys that he's had. Because Matt Milano played the best season of his career a year ago and then was playing really well this year before he got hurt early in the season. Um, and I already mentioned what he did with the safeties, you know, the last couple years. So how can we replicate that, whether it's with the guys that are in the, the Green Bay defense room currently, or who do we need to, you know, potentially target, you know, go, go talk to the GM. Who do we need to target to bring the, bring that same caliber of play to our defense? Um, because if, if we do at one position or even just a couple, you know, we're talking about a Super Bowl caliber football team. Um, and, and that's the key is how, how do we bridge that gap between the offense and the defense? And that is to me to kind of shift gears here a little bit. And when I look at like what I'm hoping for with this defensive coordinator hire, something that has driven me kind of nuts over the, and I understand it. Like the 96 Packers are so rare, you know, where you have the number one offense, number one defense and number one special teams. That doesn't happen often. That's what make that 96 team as special as they were. But, you know, you hear some of the quotes coming out of the team's, the team's best players on defense. You know, I don't want to name names because I don't have direct quotes out of there, but I know they've happened where they're like, well, you know, if we can just hold the team to 24 or less, we got Aaron Rodgers and they'll score, we'll score enough. Or now, you know, it's like, well, we got Jordan Love in this offense. We can score enough. The best defenses of, you know, whatever, name them, the, Legion of Boom Seahawks, the 2000s Ravens, the 80s Chicago Bears, the 70s, you know, whatever it is, doesn't matter. And I'm not even saying that Green Bay has to build a defense like that one because it's hard to do that. Those defenses are historic. But their way of thinking and their culture is, okay, you're scoring zero. So if our offense can get to three, we win. And that culture of maybe the offense has a bad day and you know, we're not just trying to hold on because when is the last time you guys have seen green Bay win a game with their defense, a game that matters, especially like I could think of a 17, nothing shutout against Seattle. Uh, the, the best example would have been, I guess that 49er playoff game the year before the Packers drafted Watson. So 2021 where the, you know, the defense didn't give up a touchdown. And they would have won that game, and that would have been one. But those games have just been so few and far between. And 
you know, my hope for whoever it is they hire on defense, change that culture. And, you know, it's not just be good enough to where Jordan and the offense can, you know, they give up, we give up 27, they're going to score 30. No, man, like the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes won a game yesterday, 17 to 14. How many playoff games like that has Green Bay won? You know, that's part of the culture of Steve Spagnuolo. Not entirely just because of that. Obviously, they have some great players. I mentioned that as well. But this I, this idea and this philosophy of just be good enough, that's not good enough for me, especially considering, you know, over the last 15 years almost, it's proven to not be good enough. You know, the Packers haven't won a Super Bowl in that long. And a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of that is because their defense hasn't been good enough in the biggest games. So, Trey, whether it's Babbage or whatever, or whoever, you know, what is your, this is kind of a different question than what are you asking them, but what is your biggest focus and hope coming out of this defensive coordinator hire? The biggest thing first, uh, I talked about it all year and I don't, I don't want to call anyone out and I don't want to say that someone isn't good at their job, but the very first step in designing any defense is it has to be sound. Um, you have to be able to line up and give your team a chance to be successful. You know, talk about, okay, hold them to 20, hold them to whatever. You ain't doing that if you don't line up in sound defense. So step one, that's a, that's a must prerequisite there. Like that has to happen every play from here on out. A team can't have three tight ends on the field and we be in nickel or dime anymore. Like that's, that's bad. We destroyed the Cowboys when they did it in the, in the wild card. And teams destroyed us they all were season. A mess. Yeah, and, a and mess. Teams destroyed us all season when when we lined up in that stuff. So no more of that. Like that that has to go. Um, that's not winning football. And we're in the NFL. Like that's that's beyond what we're talking about even being an issue here. But another thing that I think has to happen, and you mentioned the Chiefs, and you mentioned all those big time players making big time plays. I might have guys on the team, like I mentioned earlier, a guy gets hurt, a backup has to go in and play. That's going to happen. We have to start a seventh-round pick or an undrafted free agent for a portion of the season. That's going to happen. You're not going to be able to say, okay, I need to put all my faith in that guy to win every game, although I do have to be able to trust him to do his job. What I need and what is a requirement is my big-time players have to be big-time players all the time. It can't be... Rashawn Gary has three sacks in three quarters of a game, and then I don't hear his name called making a significant play for seven games moving on. That's not just on Rashawn, the player. That's on the coaching staff because what what is going on? What is the disconnect that we can't get our first-round pick, our $100 million guy to play like it all the time? I can't have Darnell Savage lurking passes and getting pick sixes and making all these big tackles in the open field and then he go three games without making a play. Like, that stuff doesn't happen. I can't have the highest paid corner in the league not lining up in positions where he can be successful. Like, those things sh- just should not happen. Those guys have to be relied on every game to make plays. The same way when your quarterback goes out there, your quarterback can't have 20 bad passes in a game. It just can't happen. Your star wide receiver can't have 10 targets and all five, you know eight of them hit him in the face and he drops them. That stuff doesn't happen. And on defense, it's not looked at the same because, you know, you're not, they're not trying to throw you the ball. They're not, you know, they're not handing handing the ball to you. But if you disappear as a star defensive player, that's just unacceptable, especially when you're 
an edge rusher, a, a middle linebacker, a DB, like get to the ball. At the very least, you have to impact the game in that way. So what what I would like to see, and this is you know like something for me with with any defensive coordinator, my big time players have to be playing at an elite level every snap, every game. Because if not, what like what are, what are we doing here? What are we paying them for? Why, why do we have those guys on the field instead of some other guy who I know at least will give his best effort because he appreciates being out there. Not to say the big time guys don't give big effort all the time, but we need to see it. That's that's what you're paid to do. And and the defensive coordinator and the whole defensive staff is paid to get that out of them. Um, that's why everybody's in the building, right, is we, we got to put something on tape. Um, so however we can get that done, that's that's got to be a must moving forward for, for Green Bay and any team. Yeah, and that's – it's interesting that that – is where your head went just because you're right. And I almost feel like if a defensive player disappears in a big game, it's almost more noticeable than if an offensive player does. Cause you can finesse ways if you really wanted to, like if I want to manufacture a touch for a receiver, I just throw them a little bubble screen. That's easy mm-hmm. to do. You can't manufacture production on defense, right? It's hard to do, do that. Yeah, it's yeah, I mean really. it's just you know you either make plays or you don't. They can do a better job of getting guys in position, but that's just an interesting way to look at that. Morley, what's your what's your take and your biggest hope as Green Bay tries to make this shift on defense here? I mean, you guys hit the hit all the major points, right? Like it's easier said than done. You know, if you could just go hire a defensive coach off the defensive coaching tree and make everybody play as one unit, you know, 11 guys with the same mind on the field, like those guys are tip, those are the best units, right? The guys that communicate well, the guys that um, know what their teammates are going to do in any given situation, the guys that can look at an offensive formation and, and have a good guess at what's going to be going on. And guys, it's never been harder to play defense in the NFL. They don't want you to, they do not want you to play defense. Uh, I, I promise you the, the powers that be were not super impressed with the chiefs Ravens game. Like that, that was kind of a boring defensive game, you know, 11, 11 straight drives without a points in that game at one point with Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. I I promise you though, they didn't like that. They want touchdowns. They want yards. They want points. So, you know, you're, you're already climbing an uphill battle. Um, And I think Trey hit on it too. It's like, man, I don't want to see them just, I don't want to see them say, Hey, we're going to rely on Superman being Superman for us to win games like Rashawn, you're going to need to go get three sacks to strip score. Sorry. Or, or we're probably losing. Like that's just not fair to put that on those guys. I want guys. I want a guy that's going to come in and say, Hey, we have all these pieces, you know, some greater than others, obviously some, some of your pieces are more important, but how do they all fit together? You know, how do they all fit together to make this picture of what we want this defense to look like and how we want this team to win games moving forward. Uh, So if that's Babbage, uh, that's great. Um, one thing I'll say about Babbage that I think is really encouraging uh, is the, the. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Clip of him talking about, uh, you know, scouting shadows. And what he means by that is he's like, I don't care if you're 6'5", 280 pounds, run a 4'5". I don't care if you're 6'1", 220 pounds, and run a 5'2". Give me the guy that's getting the guy on the ground, and he's in the right spot. And so I think, you know, the Packers philosophically on the offensive side of the ball value athletes, and they've been really good at picking athletes who are also good at football. I don't think they've done as good of a job on the defensive side of the ball with that. They love their athletes, and I do too. I mean, like that's you know you're betting on that stuff, but you're it's all risk mitigation, all that stuff. But there are just times that you know a guy that we talked about pre-show and a guy that Babich coached, Matt Milano in Buffalo, but Micah Hyde for I mean right there too. Micah Hyde is not how you would draw up a safety. You know, he was not a guy coming out of Iowa that did any kind of eye-popping, you know, athletic numbers. And, you know, same with Matt Milano, but those guys just, they have it between the ears. And those are the guys that I want on my team. Those are the guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because defense is such a, it's a mental game more than anything. Like you, it helps to be a great athlete, obviously, but man, it's, it's cool if you run a four three in the wrong direction, you know. They, cool, great. You got out of position quicker, you know. So like, give me the guys that have it between the ears. And the fact that he said that about kind of his defensive players that he he likes and he wants tells me, you know, maybe he's not someone either that's going to, you know, play that favoritism on the defensive side of the ball. And honestly, I don't think Joe Barry really did either to to a lot of you know to a lot of extent, but. Um, that's who I want running my defense is the guy that's going to pick the 11 best on any given Sunday to go win a game. Um, so if that's Babbage, then bring him in. Like that's exciting stuff. Also NDSU guy can't go wrong with that. Dad, his dad, Bob Babbage was the header at NDSU for like, for like 98 to 2002. Bobby Babbage played cornerback at NDSU was bad, was not good, but <laughs> we're not asking Bobby to go cover, you know, AJ Brown. He's got to call the defense. So that's fine. But, uh, you know, shout out to my bison. Uh, that would be kind of cool to see that lineage make its way all the way, all the way to, to green Bay. Um, but 
you know, we'll see. Uh, I believe last last time they had a vacant defensive coordinator opening. I think they filled it in 10 days. February 8th was the day they hired Barry. And they offered the job to Jim Leonard on the 7th, if you want to read into that. <laughs> like if Jim Leonard had taken the job, then it would have been one day sooner. Yeah. So I think I, I honestly think by the time we talk to each other next, they will they'll have their guy. Um, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I, I would I would encourage Matt to take his time. And I think, you know, we hit on that already. I just think he's uh, he's he's approaching this a lot differently just by, you know, who he's brought in. And we say all that he might just offer Jim Leonard, Leonard the job again and he might mm-hmm. take it this time. You know, like so we'll see. It'll be um, it'll be interesting. And uh, some people will immediately hate the defensive coordinator just because that's what we do in Green Bay. And, uh, yep. And I think I might just immediately go out and get the handle fire whoever immediately uh, just so I have it for, for two to three years when I need it. Well, there you go. And like I said, if, if, if you were to offer the job to somebody else, like I said, at this point, there's only four known interviews. Uh, and Babbage is one of them. One other thing I do want to add in, and I didn't mention this at the front of something that I want to see out of this culture shift. And I think it all kind of comes together, right? Is uh, Trey, I'm not going to butcher the way that your dad's name is pronounced. So can you please tell uh-huh. me how to say his name? Yeah, just uh, Tazim. Um, don't even worry about the last name. It's some people, some people pronounce it Wajed. Some people pronounce it Wajid. And I mean, as long as you get close, I think he's he's all right with that. All right. So Tazim said something about Trey once on on the Twitter machine, which is what he said, and that is a a need for contact required a position switch, uh, and that is something that I desire with this defense is an overall physicality. Uh, something about all the great defenses that I just mentioned that I think is. kind of goes hand in hand is a one, an intimidation factor, which I know that's hard to do in the modern NFL. It's hard to build an intimidating defense because you just can't play the way that you used to, but there is a way to still be incredibly physical. And I do, I think that is like Baltimore's calling card. Baltimore is the best defense in the NFL this year. Physicality, the 49ers for years, physicality. And how many times have you heard over the last decade decade plus that green bay's defense is soft and have it be fair you know sometimes it wasn't but most of the time it was and i i think some of that is part of culture too so that was something else that that i would like to have uh added added to that is not just with all the stuff that we're putting together play sound play smart you know how do you utilize your best players all that stuff too but at some point you know, coach, since we're doing football movies, Coach Yost and Remember the Titans says defense is desire. Well, I think that's part of it. And I think the other part of it is sometimes it's just kicking the ass of the guy across from you. And like there are, there's examples and, you know, you can kind of go through them of, of several ones where a guy just gets blasted and then the rest of the game, uh, what the Super Bowl, the Seahawks Super Bowl against uh, Denver. I think it was Demarius Thomas gets absolutely smoked by one of those DBs. And you can tell the rest of the game, Denver did not want any part of that. Like there at some point it's just like, no, it's raining. It's cold. It's wet. That, that goes both ways too. Do you remember the, the cold game 
the NFC Championship game. Brandon Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs. I mean, Charles Woodson still talks about it. Yes. Where he's just like, I went in there and I threw my shoulder into him and I just got run over and it hurts. You know, like that is, that's something, you know, physicality is still important in this game. Yeah. And I think it, I think that is a tone that is set on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but that's, that's the way that's going to be. I think, I think that's the biggest thing that I could, if I could implore the newest guy is just say, hit somebody, <laughs> you know, I mean, not to sound like a total meathead when it comes to this side, but sometimes it is just that simple. Get it to a point where this team wants to line up and punch you in the face and then ask questions later. And then we'll figure out all the, you know, the scheme stuff and the schematics and all that stuff is great. But at some point, yeah, I think you just got to be willing to pop somebody a little bit. And that's, you know, Jacob, it. I think you're hundred percent right too, because that's the smartest Joe, thing you've ever said. Joe Barry, like people aren't going to want to hear this. Joe Barry ran a common defense. Like there's nothing Joe Barry did that, I mean, situationally stuff, it was bad, but like he didn't do any like weird coverages. Like he ran like a cover three, he ran a lot of cover two. Guess who else does that? Everyone, everyone does that, you know? So like, it is that point of like, change the culture, pick your spots, attack when you need to attack sit back when you need to do a sit back and like be situationally sound, go hunt the football. Like it's so easy to say, so easy to say from where we sit. There we go. We solved all the problems, which is usually how this show works. So if you want to check us out every single Tuesday, right here at the pack a day podcast, you can do that. Uh, you can follow the show on your favorite podcast. Although I read Google podcasts is going away. So I guess don't check us out there anymore. Cause you won't find it cause it doesn't exist. You can find me personally. I'm at Jacob Westendorf on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you can find Trey. He's at MD underscore QUE33. And you can yes, find sir. Morley. He is at Jacob Morley. And uh, the only person I've ever met that after a Kansas City Chiefs loss says, I can't talk anymore. I have to go fire off some tweets. That is a real <laughs> quote on a given day. Uh, enjoy it doesn't happen often. It's happened like twice in the last five years or something like that. But uh, I'm exaggerating a smidge. But we will be back next week. Maybe the Packers have a new coordinator. Maybe they don't. We won't hit the doldrums of the offseason just yet. And there really isn't one of those, to be honest with you, because then we'll get into the combine. We'll get into some spring football if you guys are into that stuff. And then it's draft time. And then before you know it, the guys will be back on the field chasing that ever-elusive fifth Lombardi Trophy and 14th World Championship. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing american families time is short before something big happens and that's why so many folks are preparing they're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from my patriot supply go to mypatriotsupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family 
Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 